Hi, this is Jackie Tantillo, and this is Should Have Listened to My Mother. I'm so honored that you asked me to weigh in on mothers. This is really fantastic. I think what you're doing as a psychologist, I see what you're doing is so psychologically important. So um, thank you. So why, even though we haven't started the interview, why do you say that? Okay. Well, because I think, you know, uh, when, when I study heroes and when I ask people, who are your heroes, the number one answer is the mother. Uh, twice as many people say mother than father. And people see their mothers as a hero more than Gandhi and Martin Luther King and all the iconic heroes. Um, so there is something very important uh for us all about mothers. And so you're touching on something like that's pretty deep in all of us, I think. I think so, it, and, and it's endless possibilities. My guest is a professor of psychology, University of Richmond, Virginia, and he's written extensively about heroes and leadership, among other things. So I'd like to welcome Scott T. Allison to Should Have Listened to My Mother. Hello, Scott. Hello, Jackie. It's a pleasure to have you on board here, sharing your knowledge and expertise on this complex topic of the effect our mothers have on our lives. I found a paper that you wrote from what I believe was 2019 about moms and all of the important love and emotions, whether it's protection and defense, intelligence and wisdom, moral models, all of things that encompass what we envision or expect or have experienced from our moms. Yes, exactly. Mothers are our number one heroes. When I ask people, who are your heroes? Uh, the, the mother, one's mother, is the number one most popular response given. Hands down, by far, moms are the most... Oh, hands down. That's right. More people list their mother as their hero. Twice as many people say mother than father. So people think their fathers are important, but mothers, there's something very centrally important, psychologically most important about mothers and emotionally important, uh, as I write in that article that you found. What is your mom's name? What was your mom's name? My mother's name was Sarah, Sarah without an H. And where and, do um, you hail from? Where did you grow up, if you could just set the scene I, a little bit? Well, we grew up, uh, split our time between Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Los Angeles, California. So when I was eight years old, we moved from Pittsburgh to L.A. And um, and did, so about half and half, my growing up East Coast, West Coast. And do you have siblings? Uh, older brother and an older sister, so I was the youngest. That's good. So am I. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> when you think of your mom, even as a kid, like what comes to mind? What, where do you see, sense, and feel her? I kind of like to set this up just so people get an idea of, of how deep this relationship is. Well, pretty deep because my dad, my, my mother and father, and you probably even know this, that opposites attract. My mother and father were opposites. And um, my dad was, he struggled with depression, and he was an alcoholic. And so he was kind of moody and edgy and kind of dark and critical and scary. 
and my mother was the opposite. She was lightness and air and love and encouragement and positive. So um, it was really strange childhood in the sense that um, I got the, the dark side of human nature from my dad, <laughs> and then everything good about the universe came from my mom. And, of course, I'm exaggerating because we all know that everyone is a shade of gray. My dad did have a good heart, um, but but they really were opposites in a lot of ways. So I think that my mother was so important to my well-being because she was so much demonstrably loving. I mean, she was just so, so positive and encouraging, and um, I really needed that because my dad was not good with kids, and he was kind of cold and and, and scary. Um so, yeah, you can see how my mother was so important to to my my upbringing. I really needed her to uh, to come out as a, a, a pretty highly functioning person. Uh, without her, I think I would have been truly lost without her. How did she, because she was the protective barrier between your dad's wrath or his illness, how did right. she divide herself, because she always knew she had to put the happy face on for you guys, right? Yes, she did. I mean, I think you've nailed it. And she did it as best she could. She did it courageously, and she knew, she knew that we needed her, and so she would often be very protective of us and um, very, very caring. But she also had to deal with my dad and his disease of alcoholism. So she she was often absent because she had her own life to deal with and her own mess uh, to deal with. So uh, sometimes I think I was sort of semi-neglected, um, but not really. I think if she neglected us at all, it actually did us some good. It made us more independent. Um, sometimes I think parents give kids too much structure and too much attention sometimes today. Sometimes. I could be wrong about that. I, mm -hmm. fe I felt like it was good that we, she left us to be ourselves and to be on our own and to be out there falling down and getting up and struggling and doing what kids should be doing is experiencing life without being uh, sheltered or, or, or smothered, like mother smothering. We, we never had that. So, But she was always very caring and loving um, even if she, at times I think she was a little absent, but I, I totally understand that today, given what she had to deal with from my dad. Was she absent because she needed to do something for herself to help herself, or she was helping your dad? A little of both. So she would make time for herself, but, but they were also doing marriage counseling, and they were also uh, struggling with their own issues. And so she was dealing with him and with her own mental and emotional well-being and then trying to be there for the three kids that they had. So um, I think she had a really hard life. But then something really miraculous happened. But when I was a teenager, she discovered Al-Anon. And Al-Anon is a 12-step program for people who uh, whose lives have been affected by someone else's alcoholism. And she started going to meetings and getting help uh, dealing with my dad's alcoholism and find, discovering her own life and developing uh, some assertiveness. Because my parents were of the generation where the man was the king of the castle, and my, my mom was kind of a doormat for a while, and she realized she had to start standing up for herself and, and meeting her own needs. 
And I think uh, Al-Anon really helped her with that. And eventually I started going to Al-Anon, too, later on as an adult, because I realized I was affected by my dad's drinking as well. And so I think my my mother role-modeled that for me. She role-modeled self-improvement and overcoming adversity and and taking care of yourself and finding ways to meet your needs, even if you're living with a difficult person, we can still meet our own needs. And I, I think my mother, I owe my mother uh, a lot for showing me how to do that. Wow, I got the chills. That's pretty great. No more doormats. No, no one's going to push you around or step on you, right? Oh, yeah. My dad was a bully. I mean, he really was. And then she started standing up to him, thanks to Al-Anon. And uh, it was really cool to see. We were all rooting for her to to no longer uh, take any kind of um, orders from him or bullying from him. And he, he changed. I give my dad credit. He had to change. He had to adapt to her new skills and her new uh, newfound self-confidence and self-esteem. And uh, they're married. They stayed married for for. for 60 years before they passed. Wow, and that's I give them great. both a lot of credit. Yeah, I give them both a lot of credit because they both had to adapt and grow and evolve, and they, they did it. Wow, that's very impressive. And obviously, it was a huge lesson to you to see how they work together to make it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. That's, that's a good point. Exactly. Because our, yeah. our parents are our role models, but they. they, they Role model intimacy, and they role model conflict resolution, and and uh, and we're watching as kids. We're watching and learning and taking notes, and <laughs> hopefully uh, taking good notes and and doing what we can to become good intimacy uh, partners ourselves someday. Did your sister and brother have a different experience as far as the relationship your, with your dad and your mom because of the drinking and? I think because my sister was the only only uh, female, she and my mom really bonded, especially when my sister became an adult and struggled with her self-esteem issues and her marriage. She really leaned on my mother for help and guidance and support. Um, they were very close. They would call each other almost every day. Whereas, you know, I would call, as an adult, I'd probably talk to my mother once every two weeks, maybe. But my sister and my mom were very tight. And my mom really did try to help her with her Al-Anon wisdom and, and advice and suggestions. Um, but I, did, I never really did that. I never leaned on my mom for help or advice in that sense. Well, you know, there's a, many advantages to being the youngest. <laughs> Because you learn. Well, that's right. You, you know that, right? <laughs> yeah, you learn a lot along the way. Um, so, did your mom ever work? She was a school teacher for a while, and then when she started having kids, she became a stay-at-home mom. So she did have a college degree, and she taught school. But I think she, her goal was because of that. You know, she was born in the 1930s. So she was of the generation where she was perfectly content not to work and to be home and being financially supported by my dad. And, um, yeah, I understood that. I got that. And I think she enjoyed being a parent and a mom. And then when there was an empty nest, 
she enjoyed just living her life, um, not working, but going to Al-Anon meetings, doing things with friends, and pursuing her hobbies. So uh, she was a pretty happy person. She really was a happy person, despite all the struggles. My mom had a naturally cheery disposition, the opposite of my dad, (laughs) who was perpetually grumpy. It's so funny to see them as a couple together, but in a way it worked because they stayed married for 60 years. Quite how remarkable. Long, how long did she stay in Al-Anon for? Till the very end? or no? Well, till the very end. Um, she did. She got Alzheimer's. Toward the end of her life, she got Alzheimer's and stopped going to Al-Anon meetings. And that was very sad to see her decline, cognitively decline. Um but she was in Al-Anon before her decline. She's in Al-Anon for 35 years. Wow, very impressive. Oh, my goodness yeah. gracious. So what? Um, so you left home at what age? At college? Did you move every Yeah, I went away to college. Every two weeks you'd call her? Is that what my boys are going to do yeah, to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was never a mama's boy, and they lived in New Jersey, and I was going to college in California, and I would really only come home a couple times a year, and um, that was good enough for me. So, you know, I, I never lived, after my childhood, as an adult, I never lived in the same state with my parents. So I would visit them during holidays and then during the summer, but that would be about it. Um, but, you know, my, I, I was always felt close to my mother. She was always a warm, loving person. So I always felt supported by her and love. I could feel her love when I did see her and when we did call. Um, she really was a great hero and role model for me in a lot of ways. But she also let me live my life. She never went out of her way to really um, advise me or critique my life. She just let me do what I wanted to do. And she supported me even when I was making mistakes, whether it was, you know, a, a relationship mistake, she didn't like a girlfriend, or she just was okay with it, you know? She just, she was very good at live and let live, and I appreciate that from her, you know, to cultivate independence in her children. Do you think that was intentional? That was her purpose, to let you be? Yes. Yes. Wow, very because, because And I think it's because she had a blind sister, a sister who was uh, visually impaired, who was terribly spoiled and enabled by, um, by my mom's parents. So she witnessed her sister, her blind sister, being um, spoiled and enabled and coddled and never allowed to become an independent person. And my mother has told me many times, you know what, the way your aunt was um, raised, to be totally dependent on society, to be cared for by family or by society, it was just wrong. And um, so she made sure that we were independent, financially independent, that we knew how to do, be self-sufficient, self-reliant. And I really appreciate that. I think that that's how I raised my daughter. So if I had... If there was a lesson about parenting that my mother gave me, it was raise kids who are who can make it on their own, who are not dependent on anyone else for their financial well-being, 
um, or emotional well-being, you know, to raise independent people. And I think that's a real gift that my mom gave me. Wow, pretty amazing. And she she was never um, resentful. You don't call me. You never come home. <laughs> One of those bad <laughs> types. Because <laughs> then you want to uh, run uh, from that. You want to run away from that, right? The second exactly. someone clamps down on you, you're, well, at least for me, you're kind of in the opposite direction. Well, exactly, exactly. I don't know how you're raising your college-age kids, but, but my parents let me know, listen, when you're done with college, don't expect money from us ever again. <laughs> <laughs> you are on your own, you know, think or swim, you know, you're done. we're done with you. And I remember hearing that feeling kind of hurt, but also realizing, well, they're right. I am an adult. I need to make it on my own, and I shouldn't depend on them to make it. And, and so I made it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's an important lesson to teach kids is, is that you've got to grow up and be on your own. And, and that doesn't mean that during an emergency we can't give our kids help. If there's some crisis or an emergency, we can certainly help them. But but for just day-to-day living, you know, I don't believe in give. I have, a, I have one daughter. I don't believe in giving her the down payment of a house or buying her a car or buying her furniture for her house. She's got to do all that on her own. Um, that's just my opinion. I know so. I've got friends who don't agree with me about that, but I really believe uh, in giving kids the gift of self-sufficiency. Well, that's a pretty great gift. That's a, a huge I think gift. So. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. totally, I totally get it. You know, we're we're working on those things with our boys too. And as you said, you, if they don't, if they're not expecting it, then they they know they have to go get it themselves. That's right, and that's how they become resourceful and clever and innovative and hardworking and uh, and ambitious, so they can do something with their lives. And but you know, my dad's side of the family is kind of the opposite. You know, opposites attract. So my mom is into self-sufficiency. My dad's side of the family is a little, there's codependence and there's a little enabling and there's, it's a little dysfunctional, my dad's side. But um, but my mom gave me the gift of love and the gift of self-reliance. And another thing, oh, another thing she really taught me, my mother role modeled honesty and integrity uh, so so strongly, she emphasized honesty. On always tell the truth, always tell the truth, and um, be good to your word, and fulfill your obligations, and be reliable. You know, she what a gift that is to role model character and integrity and honesty over and over and over again. And, and she showed it to me. She role modeled it, so she didn't just walk talk the talk. She walked the walk. So what do you have a specific was. example that you rem- can recall where she walked the walk? I mean, do you remember doing something maybe not, well, you know, above board, and she had to have this little conversation with you? <laughs> Many times. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was a diabolical little kid who tried to get away with things. And she would catch me and say, you cannot get away with that. And then I would be punished. And and I deserved it. And the punishment hit the crime, and I learned my lesson. And um, so she was very loving, but she could also be tough as nails. And she was a disciplinarian. And no nonsense when she had to be. You know, she really was amazing when I think back. 
Um, which is why I really appreciate this phone, this opportunity to talk to you, Jackie, because you're getting me to think about how much I, I really appreciate my mom and what she went through, the sacrifices she made, and the lessons she taught me. I mean, I, she really is a hero, uh, a superhero when I think about it. Is she your, um, your inspiration for all of your books and your writing, or a lot of your books and your writing, because you have written quite a few, and a number of them are about heroes and leadership. And Absolutely. And in fact, not just my mother, but my mother's mother. So my grandmother on my mother's side was the same, uh, only an older, wiser version of my mother, and incredibly loving and just such had such a beautiful spirit. And um, both, so both my mother and my mother's mother, incredibly heroic to me because they both role modeled kindness, generosity, encouragement, honesty, and love. And wow, what a gift to give your kids! Um, I'm just so grateful and appreciative because my dad didn't have the ability because of his my dad's alcoholism. He was handicapped. He was challenged. He was not able to show love. And so I desperately needed it from my mother and from my grandmother. And thank goodness I got it from them because so, I think we, we all have to have that or we're doomed. And uh, so I really think of my mother and grandmother as the two most heroic people in my life. And your maternal grandmother, what was her name? Claire. Claire. I thought you were going to say Grandma. <laughs> Well, she was Beanie. Her first name was Claire, but she was Beanie to us. Yeah, what a beautiful spirit she was. And and she lived nearby, or did she live with you? She no, she lived far away. She lived in Pittsburgh, um, where we originally came from. But she would come and visit us during the month of December. That when we lived in California, my grandmother would come stay with me and our my family during the month of December, and my dad, who was the mean alcoholic, would be on his best behavior in front of my mom's mom. So December, and Chris, I have wonderful Christmas and memories and December memories because my dad kind of decided to behave himself. <laughs> so he, he, but of course, all hell broke loose in January when my grandmother returned oh. to Pittsburgh. <laughs> So I, I don't have fond January memories, but December was fantastic. Oh my um, gosh, monthly memories. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. My husband has three older sisters, so he was around women from a young age, and his mom was very influential in his life and how how to, raised to to be respectful of women and how to speak with them, because you had these two influential women in your life. Did you have a different relationship, not only with women that you were inclined to date or, you know, have a, a romantic relationship with, but did you did you automatically know how to treat women? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I had to, um, you know, one thing we know in psychology is Freud was half right. Freud, yeah, Freud had this edible complex, so... He believed we're attracted to people who remind us of our mom. And what we know in psychology is we're actually attracted to romantic partners who remind us of both parents, both the good and the bad qualities of mom and dad. Because mom and dad were our first 
intimate relationships. So we, we learn our mothers and fathers set the tone for intimacy for us because they were our first intimates. So um, I, had, I learned how to treat women from both mom and dad, both in good and bad ways. And I think you know, it's a learning process. And I think I was sort of more like my mom and being a little overly deferential at first. And I had to learn my way and develop some backbone and to learn how to take care of my needs and learn how to meet my needs um, in a nice, kind, gentle, gentle, respectful way. And so I think it was a big learning process. And I, I think Al-Anon has helped me set boundaries with people and assert my needs with people and to do it kindly and gently. I think I really had a lot to learn about uh, romance and intimacy, and I don't think I was good at it until I was at least 40 years old. <laughs> well, at least you you got it, right? But we all have our I process. think I did. <laughs> I'm in my second marriage. I think my second wife loves me and tells me I have a good catch and all that. <laughs> I don't think my first wife would have said that. <laughs> well, you know, at first you don't succeed. Try again, right? Well, you're right. I mean, some of us take longer to get it than others, and it took me and my second marriage to figure out how to choose the right partner, how to make relationships work, how to resolve conflict in a healthy way and communicate in a healthy way and and, and just uh, enjoy a good, healthy marriage. And I currently have that, um, but it didn't come easy because my parents were, you know, they fought a lot. There was a lot of fighting and arguing because... My dad was a grumpy alcoholic, and my my mom was learning to stand up on her own two feet and stand up for herself. So it was a it was a rough marriage, my mom and dad. So I did not have good intimacy role models, and I had to figure it out on my own. And I had to learn the hard way, you know, doing it wrong. I did it wrong for a while, and then I learned how to do it right so well, eventually. That's, that's the good part, right? You learned how to do it right. So did yeah did, exactly yeah did you bring your friends to your house to hang out or you never would do that because you never knew what oh, to expect? no I I joke about that my brother and I joke about how we would we, we couldn't bring our friends over it was too embarrassing my parents were always fighting and my dad was this weird grumpy man drinking in the corner of the room so I my brother and I would always spend time at our friends' houses. Uh, so, yeah, that's funny you should ask that because it's so true. We just wanted to keep friends away from the house. <laughs> Did anyone know about your dad's drinking? Did the neighbors know or your mom's friends know or she kept it all quiet? I think we we put up a front and, we, you know, one of the one of our dysfunctions of our, as a family was it was all about keeping up appearances and we had to appear to be uh, for the perfect family when we were anything but uh, growing up. So, yeah, I don't think people knew, really. Um, but they do now, because now I tell my story at my Al-Anon meeting. That's good. And, uh, maybe help out younger members of the Al-Anon program figure out their lives. And that's, that's, you know, giving back. My mother was very much into giving back and 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 helping people and being of service to people and giving your time and your ex- and your and your wisdom to others, sharing experience. And um, so I try to do that. I, my mother was such a role model in terms of really helping others and being of service 
and I owe that to her and and to my grandmother too the same way you're a lucky guy well in some ways yeah yeah I know you got the raw end of the stick with your dad's well I think all of us struggle you know (laughs) none of us you know that's the one thing I've learned is that everyone gets has a struggle everyone has some issues and some baggage from the past and that's just life you know and then then we're and then we're called to kind of work through it and figure it out and grow from it and and I I, I'm I I didn't escape damage and I don't think anyone does but but that's just that's just life part of the equation and I'm grateful that that I have the tools now to figure life out and to be grateful for everything the good and the bad You've spoken of so many gifts that your mom gave you. Uh, and then I always ask the question, are you who you are today because of or in spite of your mother? Oh, yeah, because of. Yeah. I'd say maybe despite my dad, but because of my mom. And that's really unfair because my dad, was, he had a good heart. When he got sober, finally, he actually helped me and mentored me about finances and about aspects of life uh, that I'm very grateful for. It's not black, black or white. But, but, but yeah, my mother, I'm, I'm a, I feel like I'm a good person, not perfect by any means. I'm a good person because of my mother, because of the love and the encouragement she showed me and uh, her generosity of spirit and her emphasis on honesty and integrity and being a good person, being a good human. I got that from my mom. And I fall short of those ideals, but but my mom always believed in making the effort to be the best you can be. And what a gift to have her in my life. And and uh, it was hard watching her get Alzheimer's and seeing her slip away over the years before she died. That was that was pretty heart wrenching. Uh, but even toward the end, you could tell she still had that laugh and she still had the twinkle in her eye. And um, a part of that love in her heart was always there, for even to the very end. Oh, that's so hard. And I'm sorry you had to go through it, but like you said, her, the twinkle's still in her eye, and she's your yep. mom, right? And her work was done. That's right. Actually, you're absolutely right. And... Um, she was a beautiful spirit all the way to the very end, even as she was in decline, and she really lost herself. Her, it's interesting how in Alzheimer's you may lose a lot of who you were, but there's some, there's that spirit that's still there. If you look deeply enough, you can see there's an essence that's always still there, and I can see it. We could all see it, even toward the very end. Um, and what a gift to have her in my life and to to have influenced me and helped me get through a tough childhood and to just be there uh, when my dad was not able to be there. She really had to play the role of both parents. She was there for me. Um, I really do owe her my life, my mother. Sarah, you did good. (laughs) You did good. Scott T. Allison, do you always keep the T in there, or do people just call you Scott Allison? Oh, I'm Scotty. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, my That's what God. my mom used to call me when I was little, Scotty. 
Oh, that's Scott T, but Scotty. Scotty. Oh, that is wonderful. Oh, that's great. <laughs> what a pleasure. I'm, I'm so glad I asked you on board and that you agreed to join me for this episode of Should Have Listened to My Mother. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be part of your podcast and grateful to uh, be spoken to. And I, Jackie, I really owe you for helping me process my relationship with my mother more deeply and with a grateful heart. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Jackie Tantillo, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Should Listen to My Mother.